Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Powerhouse Coaching presents Creative Mindsets for Business, a podcast where entrepreneurs, business leaders, and their teams learn how to cultivate creativity together so they can accelerate growth and scale to success. My name is Amanda Escobedo. I'm your host, Creative Mindset Master Coach, and I'm the founder of Powerhouse Coaching. If you're joining me for the first time today, I want to give you a warm welcome. Thank you so much for being here. I'm super confident you'll learn something new, and I hope to provide you with a breakthrough or personal insight. For those of you who have been following my work, welcome back. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing quantitative data versus intuition in business. To support our discussion on this topic, I will be reviewing quantitative data in U.S. business culture. I'll share some key differences between U.S. and Japanese business culture. I'm going to share five truths about your intuition, and I will be providing you with two mindset practices that you can start today to cultivate your intuition. That said, let's dive into our topic and talk about U.S. business culture. Now, U.S. businesses are very heavy in the use of analytics and the use of data approaches to drive decisions. Many MBA programs like Stanford University, as an example, are very analytical and emphasize quantitative data. And this approach or emphasis on analytics has proven to be very successful for U.S. businesses. But I want to take you back to 1980 for a minute. During this time, business practices amongst different cultures and countries were looked into more seriously. This research allowed for U.S. businesses to see what we might be doing wrong or what we might be missing in our U.S. business practices. MBA programs like Stanford, as an example, were looked at in more detail, and it was found that there was too much emphasis on data and analytics. The criticism with the MBA program was that a lot of its graduates were not long-term thinkers. They tended to be more risk-averse. They didn't like or struggled with abstract thinking. They were more problem solvers, applying techniques like a technician, as opposed to being or operating as a new pathfinder. After studying Japanese business cultures who produced outstanding business practices, what was found in their business practices was more engagement in the right brain or the creative side of things. Japanese business leaders, as an example, engaged in Shinto ceremonies and Zen practices like meditations before business meetings or engaging in business decisions. And it's believed that these practices are what advanced their decision-making capabilities. Even at the production level, employees were provided with space to be creative and contribute to solutions. Now, don't get me wrong, practices like meditation are happening in our culture, and people in the U.S. are doing very creative things. Even during an economic downturn, as an example, Silicon Valley entrepreneurs were developing new and innovative high-tech systems or technology, and they were able to grow them very quickly. And their process of doing exhibited very creative traits. And as a culture, innovation and creativity is starting to be integrated into our businesses. Stanford University now offers creative courses for business. Big tech companies like Google offered bunker-inspired meditation chambers at their Bay Area office to inspire creativity. And some of the most successful leaders integrate intuition into their decision-making processes. 
Paul Cook, as an example, the founder and CEO of Raycom Corporation, a Fortune 500 company. There was a time when Raycom was a top company in the previous decade of earnings growth, and this was all internal earnings, no acquisitions. Paul Cook was brought in as a speaker for the creativity and business course at Stanford. And during his talk, an MBA student asked, hey, Paul, <laughs> do you ever make decisions on intuition? And he said, I always do. He then shared that he used to be really into making decisions based on data. But then he had two to three errors or terrible business failures, which were based on analytics. And when he reflected, he recognized that if he would have gone with his intuition, he would have been correct. I share all this to say that you can find creativity in U.S. businesses today, but the practice of cultivating creativity together in a team setting is not the norm. It's done more on an individual basis, and creativity is still doormat for many organizations in our culture because, again, there has been so much success with data-based approaches. But imagine a world that uses both analytics and intuition as a business tool. Imagine a world that emphasizes action rather than creating the most perfect plan. Imagine the possibilities. Now, I keep talking about intuition and how it should be used as a tool to make decisions, but what the heck is it? Well, if you listened to my last or previous episode, you've learned intuition is one of the five essences which make our creative base. Stanford University assumes everyone is creative, and when you pay attention to your own creativity, you bring it out. Stanford also assumes that everyone is born with the five qualities of essence which make up our creative base. So intuition, will, joy, strength, and compassion. So you are born with intuition. If you think of children as an example, they are highly intuitive. They know when they need to eat, sleep, and poop. But as we grow into adults, so many of us eat past full, work past stress, date people which aren't good for us, we're on our phones catching up on social media even though we are exhausted. Now to help explain the disconnect between intuition as a child and intuition as adults, let's review the five truths about your intuition. Number one, it requires focus to develop. Now, even though we are all born with intuition, science has shown and proven that if you do not cultivate it, you won't be able to access it, which explains why some of us are not in tune with ourselves. But the good news is if you have issues trusting yourselves and making decisions at work or even in your personal life, you can actually cultivate your intuition, pull out the answers you already know. As business leaders, one of our greatest responsibilities is to make decisions in a very dynamic world. Yes, pull out the numbers, do your analytics, but at some point you have to go with your gut feeling. Tiffany Carter says, trusting your gut, your intuition is the best business tool you've got. Truth number two, your intuition complements reason. Truth number three, your intuition is unemotional. So many of us make decisions out of fear. So even though your gut might be going left, the data is going right, but you might choose to go right because even if the data fails you, you can blame it on the data instead of yourself. But what's important for you to know about your intuition is truth four. Your intuition is mistake free. 
And truth number five, your intuition demands action, but not right away. Just because you get present with your truth doesn't mean you fire someone after you realize they aren't the right fit for the company, as an example. What it does mean is cultivating the courage to walk in your truth and do it in an intentional, strategic, and conscious way that aligns with where you're trying to go. Overall, your intuition is really just getting present to your truth that is living inside of you. The truth may be, as I mentioned, you hired the wrong person. The company has maybe outgrown some of its talent. The truth might be that you're a people pleaser that overcommits and you're losing credibility with your team every time you under deliver. The truth might be that your employee isn't underperforming. You're actually just under communicating or failing to share your expectations. Many define intuition as a recognition of the decision you already have within you. But what I would like to invite you to do is exchange the word decision for choice or experience instead. Life is made up of a bunch of experiences and you have the right to choose an experience that resonates with you. And if you don't like it, you have the right to choose again. When you hire an employee, they may be right for that position for a period of time. And if it doesn't work out, at some point, time has passed, that's okay. You can make a new choice for the company. Another example might be that you've started your business with your best friend and time has passed and you've recognized this isn't the experience that you want anymore. So your partnership is no longer serving the company and you both agree or allow one or the other to buy each other out. What most people get stuck on in the world is trying to make the most perfect decision or there's a fear of making the wrong decision. So they stall, push off the decision-making process, or they don't take action at all. But the only certainty in the world is impermanence. Additionally, the reality is there are a million ways to get where you're trying to go, not just one. So if you just replace the word decision with choice or experience, you've just changed the game and you will feel so empowered because choice and experience gives you the power to choose again if you want to. Now that we know what intuition is, how the heck do we cultivate it? <laughs> well, there are many ways to cultivate your intuition, but today I want to talk about powerful and penetrating questions. And the two types of questions I want to share with you today are number one, open questions, and number two, yes or no. Let's start off with open questions, asking deep and powerful questions. They really unlock your intuition. If you've ever journaled or done some sort of reflective writing, you might have witnessed your own intuition coming through in this practice. For example, if you start asking questions like, where am I being inauthentic in my leadership? Where am I blocking myself? Where am I self-sabotaging? What would a breakthrough look like? How will I know I'm getting the result I'm looking for? What would I see? What would I hear? What would I feel? What should I do next? These type of open questions get you very clear on what you want. You're going to know what's blocking you and you're going to uncover the next steps that are going to propel you forward. These types of questions are open and penetrating. And what makes them open is the fact that they are completely selfless. They're energizing, daring, and inspiring. They're unbiased. They hold no assumptions, but new possibilities. They're outrageous and totally naive. Whereas closed questions are asked by your ego. They're lazy or safe. They're dull. They're full of assumptions, old baggage, and they're jaded. 
For example, some closed questions that you might have previously asked yourself or heard someone else ask themselves was, why am I so dumb? Why does this always happen to me? Why can't I figure this out? These type of questions have a dullness to them. They're jaded. They hold assumptions. Closed questions like these make you feel bad and keep you stuck. They aren't giving you a new path to move forward. Open questions, on the other hand, are curious. They challenge the status quo. They rock the boat. They're dumb and full of wonder. Now, when you're working on accessing your intuition through open questions, I want to warn you that you may not get an answer right away. You may need to sit on the question for a bit. Ask yourself a question or questions and then walk away. Incubate. Go vacuum. Go do something relaxing. Be open to how the answer shows up for you and when it shows up. Your answer may show up in your dreams. It may show up when you're on a walk. It may show up during a conversation with another person. As an example of what it looks like for me or what's happened to me is when I started my coaching business, I had acquired a couple of mindset certifications and I started coaching. But coaching isn't just coaching. I'm running a business and there were so many things I didn't know how to do as it relates to building a website sales. But I was super resourceful, reading a ton of articles, joining a lot of free webinars, watching YouTube videos on things I wasn't familiar with yet. But I hit a point where I could feel I was ready for my next investment. My intuition told me I was ready, but I didn't know what that looked like. So I asked the question to the universe, to God, to whoever would answer me. (laughs) And I said, okay, I hear you. I know I'm ready for my next investment, but what is it? Within a month, I got an email from my mindset school that I had graduated from offering graduate students to join a free Stanford University mindset course for eight weeks. I joined the class. I signed up. And while I was going through the course, the trainer shared the course came in three formats, adults, children, and corporations. And they shared we could actually get certified in the program. And for me, I knew I wanted to work with corporations, but I didn't know how to get my foot in the door. When I was connecting with companies, it felt like some of these decision makers were receiving my work as a little too woo-woo-wee for the company or more like an employee fun perk. But this course that I was just introduced to came from Stanford and companies love when you say Stanford. And it's also been a course since 1979. And so many well-known innovators are huge fans and supporters and speaker of the course when it was taught at Stanford, like Steve Jobs, Philip Knight, Charles Schwab, just to name a few. Additionally, this course has already proven results in big name companies like Pepsi, Facebook, Anheuser-Busch, etc., I say all that to share that I didn't do an analysis on how much the certification course was going to cost me. I didn't look into how much time it was going to take me to get certified. I didn't ask anyone for feedback on what I should do. I didn't do a bunch of reading up on the course. All I can say is the minute I knew this was a Stanford course and it had a corporate piece to it, my intuition told me this was my next investment. So I just signed up. I just said yes. And here I am today teaching you the tools from this course. And I've been working with entrepreneurs and corporations since. Now, your second tool that I want to share with you today, in addition to open and curious questions, is a technique called yes or no. So when I teach this Stanford course to my students or corporate teams, there's an exercise we do together. And I ask the students to play a game with me. I pick a student and ask him or her to share something they're sitting on and need to make a decision on. It can literally be anything. 
Maybe it's a question on whether to go back to school or whether you should go on vacation to Italy versus Jamaica or whether you should have pizza or salad for lunch. Generally, when we're trying to make a choice for ourselves, we start to have a conversation in our head. If I do this, then this will happen. If I do that, then this will happen. I might miss out on this. I might get behind on that. I might regret this. I might lose time doing that. This person might think that or get hurt if I do this. And I don't know if I should be doing that. We go back and forth and back and forth. We're playing a game of table tennis in our head. We might even go out into the world and ask 45 million different people, what should I do? <laughs> and then we come back with 45 million different answers and feel even more confused. We drive ourselves crazy. Now, to help my students, we flip a coin. We let the coin make the decision for us. Heads yes, tails no. And some of them have a moment to freak out. <laughs> and I say, it's just a game, play along, and then they relax. So one of the students, as an example, was determining on whether they should go back to school or not. And we decided heads was no, do not go back to school. And tails was yes, go back to school. And then we flipped the coin. And when we flipped the coin, it landed on heads. Do not go back to school. But the game didn't end there. I gave the student an option. You can keep this answer or we can do best out of three. And this student in particular said flip again, best out of three. So we did. And after the flipped, what I shared was this game isn't about the coin and what the coin has decided for us. What I want to know is why did you choose to flip again? What does your choice to flip again say about what you already know? The coin landed on heads and gave you an answer of no. Do not go back to school. You could have kept that answer, but you chose to flip again. This particular student said, well, I was hoping for you to say, go back to school. And there it is. <laughs> they want to go back to school. So I give this challenge to all my students for a week and challenge them to just make decisions by answering yes or no. Drop the stories, drop the reasons, and just ask yourself yes or no. And what this looks like is, a colleague might ask you, do you want to be included in X meeting? And your normal response might be, well, if I'm not in that meeting, I might miss X. But if I join, that's less time to get Y done, which is due tomorrow. But if I don't join the meeting, blah, blah, blah. But then you remember, I can only answer yes or no. And you ask yourself, do I want to be included in the meeting or not? Yes or no. And you make a decision and then you commit. Maybe it's something a little more simpler. Your coworker or your partner says, hey, I'm going to Starbucks. Do you want anything? And then you say, ooh, a mocha frappuccino sounds amazing, but I'm trying to do good and I'm on a diet, but I've been good this entire month. So what's one drink? And then you remember, do I want to go to Starbucks or not? Yes or no. And you just answer. Now, this is a perfect technique for business decisions. And many of my executive clients have been able to do or be more effective in their decision making process through this technique. What we do is we start small by making a lot of small decisions all, de all day, all week with this technique. And then I have them make a real big decision. One decision that one of my clients made was they were going back and forth on whether they should invest on more sales training. And then he just sat with himself, yes or no. And he made the decision, yes. <laughs> and there it is. And the decision was the best decision. Now, one of my favorite acronyms that I use with myself is YAK, Y-A-K. You always 
No. You have all the answers inside of you. You just need to formulate the question to get to your truth. Now, what I do to reinforce my intuition is always accurate is in the back of my journal, I wrote out yak, Y-A-K. You always know. And every time I hear that little voice inside my head tell me, do this or do that, and then I don't listen. And then time passes and I realize that little voice was right and knew what it was talking about. I write it down in my journal under yak. And when you have five things, 10 things, 15 things in the back of that journal, a list of things that you heard your intuition tell you, but you ignored, you start to look at the page like, wow, I do know what I'm talking about. And it will empower you, really empower you to listen to the voice because it's never wrong. It's mistake free. So those are your two tools that you can start practicing today to cultivate your intuition. Ask yourself open and curious questions and yes or no. Now, if you feel like you might struggle with open questions, like you aren't really sure what to ask yourself, don't worry, I've got you covered because I'm sharing four different reflective writing prompts that come from Stanford. These prompts are full of open questions that will help you access your insights and intuition. They're a perfect tool to help you get unstuck navigate through interpersonal conflicts and help you access your future self, your future wiser self for answers. Now to download these open questions, these reflective writing prompts, go to www.empowerhousecoaching.co slash mastermind. Once again, www.empowerhousecoaching.co slash mastermind. When you scroll to the bottom of the page, you'll be able to download the clarity and insights questions there. Also, when you're accessing this page, you'll see that I'm going to be launching a mastermind soon for entrepreneurs. More information to come, but this will be a 12-month masterminding group that will incorporate mindset curriculum, structured calls that provide you with feedback, and a mix of core teachings and one-to-one private coaching sessions with me that will allow you to discuss your unique business experiences and issues and personal stressors that may be blocking your creativity and momentum. And we're going to help you unlock your own solutions. Now, being a founder can be a lonely and challenging journey since you don't have a boss or any true peers to bounce ideas off of. Talk through pain points, challenge your point of view so you can see things from a different angle, or even celebrate your wins. But this community of entrepreneur leaders are going to do all of that just for you. Your peers are going to give to you without any expectations about what they will receive. They will be curious students open to your feedback, new learnings, and new way of thinking and doing. Together, we're going to help bring your mission and vision into fruition. There's a science for growth, and part of that equation is surrounding yourself with excellence. More to come on this program, so stay tuned. To recap, what we have reviewed in this episode is quantitative data in U.S. business culture. I shared some key differences between the U.S. and Japanese business culture. I also shared five truths about your intuition. And I provided you with two mindset practices that you could start today to cultivate your intuition. Now, before I let you go, I want to leave you with a closing quote by Clarissa Pinkola Estes and She says, practice listening to your intuition, your inner voice, ask questions, be curious, see what you see, hear what you hear, and then act upon what you know to be true. These intuitive powers were given to your soul at birth. Now, if you found this podcast valuable, 
give the gift of sharing information and share this podcast with three people in your network that would benefit from this episode. For anyone that shares this podcast and tags me on Instagram at empowerhouse underscore coaching, once again, empowerhouse underscore coaching, you'll be entered to win a free 30-minute coaching on the fly session with me. All you have to do is come to the call with one thing that is stressing you out. It can be related to business or something personal. And I've got the super skill that will allow me to get to the root of the issue fairly quickly. I will help you identify what's in your control versus what isn't. And we're going to uncover empowered actions that will allow you to take the stressor off your plate. All right, folks, I'm Amanda Escobedo, and you've been listening to Creativity and Business. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe and review this podcast. Your review will help others come across this resource and leverage their creativity in business. Join me next time in another conversation about the creative spirit, human potential, accelerated growth, and ultimate impact. Thank you for listening.